Ah, yes, friends. It's OGP, the One Giant Podcast on a Wednesday, where I am Adam Marbeck, one of your hosts. And over there, you'll find the other one. That's Andrew Makowitz, and he is healthy, wealthy, and wise. 63 and sunny in New York in, in February. Adam, you can't really beat it. I'm excited, especially knowing that these are kind of the the dog days of winter when you're talking about being an OGP, a giant fan, not too much going on, but I think we've got something that has been tossed around a little bit uh, on some of the inner circles on Twitter, right? Oh, of course, man. Listen, uh, going to be, you think down in the forties tomorrow. So don't, don't uh, savor the flavor too fast or make sure you really get out there and get some sunbathing in today. But like you say, you know, we're entering into the free agency and into the off season period. And you're going to start to hear these rumors ramp up a little bit. And while we're, we've touched on James Bradbury, we've touched on Jabril Peppers, and just some of these names around the roster, Saquon Barkley, chief among them, um, the thing that we've we've all kind of assumed is that when it comes to the Giants and it comes to this, this season, that Daniel Jones is going to be afforded every opportunity to have success and to go into this season in his fourth year and show that he's capable of, uh, of being the franchise quarterback. Interestingly enough, though, you had sent me a little tweet, a little article that basically broke down all of the scenarios where NFL quarterbacks that go into their fourth year and don't get picked up on the fifth year option, they don't tend to be terribly successful in the long term because you usually do kind of know what you're getting in a quarterback over the first three seasons. Obviously, new regime, new head coaching staff, et cetera. But we do find ourselves in this place of thinking the three ways that Daniel Jones will not be the starting quarterback for the New York football giants in the upcoming season. Andy, uh, how, how, how intriguing is this for you to think about, you know, uh, I want I want to, I want to give away, I want to give away some of the names, just somebody else though, under center for big Wolf. Well, so we talked about this on the, on the previous episode, I'm still not 100% convinced that the giants aren't going to pick up the fifth year option on Daniel Jones for 21 and a half million dollars, roughly. Um, because you know, it, mm. while Joe Shane and, and, and Dave's as he likes to be called, um, basically Why during, would it be dabs because, because his date, because his day ball is how you say his name. So oh, I know, Dave's. but, but Dave's hey, Dave's like babes, yeah. like Tom Brady says, babes, everyone yeah, like, says like, babes, like, right? yeah, babes in Toyland. I get it. Okay. Um, so both Joe Shane and Brian Dable got the interview and, you know, with the giants. And in that interview, they said, what do you think of Daniel Jones? They're like, we can work with him. We think he could be the guy. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, there's still an opportunity for the giants to have him Uh, of all the things we're going to talk about today. I still believe that Daniel Jones will be the starting quarterback for week one. I think that he's going to perform better in this system with this new regime than, than before, but there is a scenario where what we see is what we get. He's often hurt. He has the turnovers and the mistakes, and it's just not correctable. And there's got to be other options that the Giants can have because, Adam, we can't be in the same boat where we were last year with Mike Lennon being the backup no. and, and having literally despair when Daniel Jones is not in the lineup. Yeah, and when you think about it, right, we're going to get into these three different ways, and there's varying degrees of likelihood around them. The first off is going to be one we dismiss pretty quickly. But, but the reality is, you mentioned the injury piece of it, you know, right now, Davis Webb is on the roster, but there's no expectation that, he, that he's going to come in and really knock your socks off. But Daniel Jones has shown that he can be a guy that's going to miss time. He can be guys out of the lineup. And we've seen this before in the NFL. The best, the best ability is availability. And if you succeed in your availability, then sometimes it, it shifts, right? How an organization, how a team feels about a quarterback especially knowing this is a pivotal year. So we'll touch back in on, on the fifth-year option on the back end of this. But for right now, 
we have these three avenues that they can get there. They can obviously go with a high profile trade and that, that let's just kick that one off there because I think it's the, the least likely of the possibilities we've heard Russell Wilson. He wants to be in a major market. He wants to be in New York. We know that Derek Carr is going to be up for an extension this or next off season to increase what's around a $29 million a cap hit. We know that Aaron Rodgers is about to retire or unretire all these different things, right? In a world where Joe Shane accomplishes clearing forty plus million dollars in cap room, do do you think I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you have the success rate on this one? Do you think that they would turn around and say, you know, what we're going to do is package up a bunch of our assets and take all of nearly this cap room that we have to go acquire a high level, accomplished, different tiers here quarterback to come in for a team that we think is at least partially rebuilding and turning over this roster? The the reason why this route is the least likely of all of them, as you mentioned, is because it also doesn't align timing wise to this Giants organization, right? Like you're not the Denver Broncos and you're one quarterback away and you have a stacked roster of just high end talent across, across the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. The the Giants are in a weird place where they need help almost every position. Like Mm -hmm. there's not a single position where I'd say like the Giants couldn't add talent. Now I think, some of the secondary is pretty good, right? As it's currently constructed with guys like Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, Robinson, Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, you know, Logan Ryan. I feel like they're, they're pretty set there, but everywhere else the Giants need one, if not two people, sometimes in the offensive line, three or four different people, right? And so thinking about trading, I don't know, three first round picks for Russell Wilson, plus a couple of key players on the team, and then giving him $40 million which were already negative $10 million of cap space underneath. Like what's, what's left, what's left yeah. of the, of the roster. Once you dismantle it that way, what's left of being able to get young, cheap talent to give, give an infusion into this team. Like it, ju- it, it, it just seems nonsensical to me, Adam. Well, no. And that's why, like, you know, we even said you can wait another year and see what happens in Seattle and what the state of things are for Russell Wilson and whether or not you'd be interested in that a year from now when he's going to be 34, 35, 36 years old, whatever the range is there for him. Right. Like you could always dance in those waters. You know, there's the world where the opportunity knocks and the price point is right that you think, you know what, if we're in this mode of turning things over this year, then it's okay knowing what we have coming down the road in open cap space. And we've if it was the right opportunity, right? I don't think that Russell Wilson is being given up. We'll we'll cut you a break here, right? He's in his prime. A guy like Derek Carr is interesting because he's only making 29 million in theory. If the Giants said, Hey, we want to bring you in. We're going to re-up you after this year, but we're it's going. Maybe we're going to give you the extension. We're going to reduce this year's cap hit, right? Like like you see around the league so many times, very soft first year number, and then we'll build it back up when we have the the room to do it in the years going forward, he probably costs you less in a trade from an asset standpoint, obviously than a Russell Wilson. But again, it's only if you think this guy is your long-term future at that point, I think that's like kind of the difference between him and a Russell Wilson, where you go, well, Derek Carr, a little bit younger. You could think he's our quarterback for the next five years. Russell Wilson would be like, well, let's go for it right now. Well, Saquon Barkley and, you know, and Kenny Galladay, like, like Kadarius Tony, let's do this thing. We'll keep James Bradbury. We'll keep everybody. And we sacrifice the cap and it looks like a disaster. And you try for it for one year and then you strip this whole thing apart. That's not going to be the case. Um, I, I, I think that's the only avenue for any of these opportunities would be any of these quarterbacks coming in saying, and you know what I'd like is to take $12 million cap in the first year and then hit me up with a $50 million in year number two. Not yeah, but likely. Joe, but Joe Shane is. 
Yeah, and Joe Shane has already said that he he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to kick exactly. the can because that's what we've been doing, and now we're in this mess to begin with. And you look at someone like Deshaun Watson. He's about to be deposed for all of the sexual assault allegations, civil suits, potential criminal suits. The Giants have already said, John Mayer has already come out and said, nope, we're not in, and we're not in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. So really, what are we? T- we're talking about trading three, four first-round picks for Russell Wilson. We're talking about... Yeah. Are we in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes who he clearly only cares about making money and uh, everywhere he's gone, teams are like, he's just a stat patter. Like to me, there's it. We're not the Rams. We're, we're not just one quarterback away from having this team go to the Super Bowl. So to mortgage our entire future and to spend $40 million on an aging quarterback when our timeline doesn't match really makes no sense. And, and, and it, it, I don't even understand why giant fans would want that. No, and this is what we talk about all offseason, right? Like I, I like I don't I, I get I get being I get looking at quarterbacks and thinking they're a great quarterback. Russell right, Wilson I'd love Russell Wilson. I'd love Russell Wilson on the Giants. Right. If if he cost ten million dollars and was a free agent tomorrow, that sounds great, but that's not the reality we live in. It's the same way that I feel about a Saquon Barkley. Let's talk about a group of these quarterbacks that are going to be on the market. Uh, some of them have been starters over their career. Some have fallen out of favor. We know a couple of them have already been mentioned with ties potentially into the New York football giants this offseason. There's a lot of ranges here. So Jameis Winston, uh, he was down there, obviously, with the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky. That's the familiar one from Buffalo, obviously. And even a 39-year-old veteran in Fitzpatrick. When you see the numbers out there, we split the difference on a couple of these. Some we left the range open for a specific reason. But Jameis Winston at $7.5 That's the range, maybe a little more. Bridgewater, closer to 15. And Mariota at 75 a, a, you know, ish kind of range in this offseason. Just with that tier there first, do you think one that is Teddy Bridgewater clearly the guy that is that is above these other two quarterbacks in this range? Be just be, maybe from a consistency standpoint, and obviously having been a starter, dealt with injuries, but he seems to have the track record that says this is a steady hand you could put at the QB position. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's what you want as an organization. So Teddy Bridgewater of that group to me feels like the safest floor. Like, I I think you'll know what you're getting from Teddy Bridgewater more than everybody else. Ronnie Fitzpatrick could throw five touchdowns in a game or throw five interceptions. You have no idea what you're going to get on a consistent basis. I think that's why he has a losing record in the NFL. You know, Jameis Winston, you know, led the league, you know, his first 30 for 30 quarterback, throws 30 interceptions, started looking pretty good for the Saints. Um, Still a question mark on how healthy he's going to be. None of these really excite me that much. And, And here's the thing, Adam. And this is my question that I'll pose back to you. Yeah, right. When we're talking about going after the free agent veteran market, what is your hope in terms of the outcome with challenging Daniel Jones? Are you hoping that this person ends up beating Daniel Jones out? And then we're potentially looking at them as a quarterback, not just for next year, but maybe a few years in advance. Are we looking for someone just to push Daniel Jones, or are we looking just simply for one person to be there for one year as a stopgap for anything that happens? Like what, what is, what is the expectation that you're hoping for in signing one of these free agents? Oh, well, you know what I, what I want the outcome to be versus what I want the, the situation to present, to offer. I want it to be that the quarterback that gets signed here has the potential to beat out Daniel Jones, but meaning Daniel Jones needs to show that he gets the system, that it, that it was flawed, all the, all the mishaps that went on in this organization over the past several years. If you bring in, and you know, a guy like Teddy Bridgewater is like just outside of that price range. You don't, it's fifteen million dollars. It's not insignificant. You're bringing this guy in to 
you know, this feels like the bridge quarterback if you sign a rookie next year, right? If you bring in a rookie quarterback, then you'd say, well, Bridgewater can be here for a few years in front of him. But the the, the funny thing is when you look at these names, it's like, well, Marcus Mariota isn't going to beat out Daniel Jones. He's not even going to really push him. He's going to give the appearance of pushing Daniel Jones, but he's not going to beat him. I think Jameis Winston could potentially, but I don't think that his skill set really fits the system that the Giants would want to be running. Bridgewater does have some legs. His health is obviously the concern. If you could get him, by the way, for like closer, he was in the 10 to 20 million range. So it's obviously a very wide gap there. But any of these guys, I want him to come in and I want to like, I want to hear Teddy Bridgewater, very experienced quarterback. Just take the number off of him, right? We all know what Bridgewater is capable of. And guess what? Daniel Jones looks hands down above him in the pecking order all off season. He's the starter. Bridgewater is just a sounding board. That's fine. If I hear Teddy Bridgewater is playing neck and neck with Daniel Jones, it's a bit of a coin flip around who this offense would be best suited with under center going into the season. That just tells me, okay, no need for fifth year option here. We'll go ahead and move on regardless of if Daniel Jones still beat him out. You can't be in an offseason program if you're Daniel Jones and be losing out to these guys. And I'm fine with it if that's what the case is. It's just proof and information about what you need to do going forward. So I cannot have it be, by the way, as we talk about a player like Mitchell Trubisky, he's not coming in to challenge Daniel Jones. Let's make that clear. Now, has he played and started in the NFL? Of course he has, but he couldn't get anyone. No one was claiming for him at 2.5 million last year. So he's being brought in as a guy that would know the system. And if Daniel Jones got hurt, you would know that you could have someone serviceable to run the scheme. Like we said last year, Jesus, Mike Glennon walks in. I mean, what are we talking about? Right? So you'd feel like at least from an evaluation of the entire roster, Trubisky could keep things going on a down and distance kind of basis, but he's not going to challenge Daniel Jones. So we'll learn a lot to your point about how the organization feels about Jones, how Dable and Shane feel about him based on who they bring in to the QB room, understanding the cap is going to play a role in that process as well. See, that's interesting that you feel that way about Mitch Trubisky because I don't. Um, and it's not necessarily about what I think Mitch Trubisky's skill set is. I think when you're bringing in Joe Shane and, and Dable, if they're going to bring Mitch Trubisky in, they're going to tell him that he has an opportunity to become the starter. Like they brought him into Buffalo to back up Josh Allen, to be a serviceable backup. You know, there was a lot of timing issues in terms of Josh Mitch getting a, getting a, 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 a fair shake at being a, a starting quarterback. There's reports out here that he's saying he's never been more confident of where he is. And he expects to be a starter next season. And, and just, just for context sake, Mitch Trubisky has a winning record as an NFL quarterback. Mitch Trubisky has a higher passer rating than Daniel Jones does in terms of his career. So like it, he's yeah, young you enough where he's, that's a good, you point. Know? That's a good point. You know, it's a good point. And, 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 you know, and I'll, I'll go back and look at his numbers and your problem and the connection piece obviously matters significantly. And guess what? If he's brought in and that's the premise that you're, you know, you're like, you're saying there's this premise here that he can be a starter in the NFL still. And he took a pit stop in Buffalo where obviously he wasn't going to beat out Josh Allen. Great. Because that's what I think you need to present here. You need to apples to apples be able to look at it. And by the way, if Daniel Jones and Mitchell Trubisky look even in camp, now Trubisky has more familiarity in the system, and that's fine. But if they look even with one another, it's going to tell me that's a problem for Daniel Jones, right? He's the right. younger guy. He's the guy with the upside. He's the franchise guy, potentially. So if they look like they're on even footing, 
I'm already, that's where you said about the, you know, picking up the fifth year option. That's where I go, no, 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 no. You need to be looking lights out inside of this system over the course of the summer for me to make that kind of commitment, which even then I hedge my bets on. Yeah. So that I, I say that about Mitch Trubisky because I honestly do think Giant fans want him in there. I think he is a legit challenge to that position because he's still, he's 27 years old, I believe, right? So like he's still. Yes, young. Yep. He's he's one and game out of a bad, obviously, situation we know in, in, in Chicago, right? No one was sitting there going like, what a well-run offensive system they've had for over the last handful of years. Right. And he's and he made the playoffs. He has a winning record. He has a higher passer rating than Daniel Jones. Like you put all that stuff together. Like if we're like, how, how biased are we that we think Daniel Jones is not the problem and all these other things were going on. Sure. But what, what I will say is I think if you bring in Mitch Trubisky, you're saying, we are unsure of Daniel Jones. Like we, we just don't know if he's our guy. If you bring someone in like Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, a Tyrod Taylor, a Marcus Mariota, it's a different conversation. It is, we believe in Daniel Jones. However, we need to have a competent backup that can come in for a game or two if he gets hurt and actually win games for the team. Like, I think there's different levels. You bring in Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Bridgewater. You're saying you have a legit opportunity to be the starting quarterback moving forward. I think some of the other guys are just like the, you know, in case of emergency, break glass type of people. Sure. Yeah. And even though we know Tyrod Taylor played, obviously, uh, with the Buffalo Bills, it it goes back far enough where you're not going to have uh, ties to this current regime and what they're doing there necessarily in the same way. I think you're right. Some of these guys, again, I look at them differently in terms of Ryan Fitzpatrick at 39. That's a veteran quarterback experience. He's there. You know, he can be serviceable and do those things you talked about. Um, a Mariota looks different to me because he's not a guy that I would say bridge quarterback. If things don't work out with Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, I would say, Oh, you could keep him around for another year or two. If things, if you want to draft then a young quarterback, I, like so they, they fit in these different pockets, but you're right. What is, what do you prefer then before we get into the third option here, which is looking at the NFL draft? What do you prefer the Giants do? Do you want someone that comes in and gives you affirmation around what Daniel Jones is? Or do you do you want to see that the team puts the confidence, so to speak, on Daniel Jones and says, we're bringing in Mariota. He ain't, he ain't taking your job. You know, like that, that's fine. We're, or we're, bringing, we're bringing in Fitzpatrick. He's a veteran. He's just there to back you up, be a nice voice in the room, enjoy yourself, or any of these other guys that we talk about. Because there's this laundry list of the Tyrod Taylors, the Andy Daltons, Jacoby Brissett, Geno Smith, Josh Johnson, Trevor Simeon, right? Joe Flacco, like all these guys that are out there. Mike Lennon on that list, too. As far as just, you know, veteran quarterbacks that'll be in the room, but don't mean anything to what's going to happen on the field. I mean, listen, Mitch Trubisky has far more upside than someone like Tyrod Taylor. There's just yeah, yeah, no yeah, question yeah, about it, right? Like it's yeah. uh, I don't I don't think I'm breaking any news here by saying that. But Mitch Trubisky does have longer term development potential for the Giants. He could be the next starter. He could be a bridge starter to another draft pick. Like he could yeah, very yeah, well be that yeah. guy. Now, if you believe in Daniel Jones the way that I, I think a lot of us do, that he hasn't gotten the full fair shake of things. Bring in someone like Tyrod Taylor. I'd much rather have Tyrod Taylor than Ryan Fitzpatrick because Tyrod Taylor just feels like. Man, he's had some tough breaks, like where he's gone and the things oh, that have happened. We're like, you know, he has his lung basically punctured, and then in in when he's in, you know playing for the Chargers when he was the starter, and then all of a sudden he allows Justin Herbert to come in, and he he like you know blows the doors off everything. He goes to Houston on a one year five and a half million dollar deal, which is probably in the wheelhouse of what the Giants are looking for. Starts looks great early on, pull like has a bad hamstring tear, and Davis Mills comes out of nowhere and pretty much wraps his hands around it and they want to look at young talent. They want to not necessarily have an old veteran winning them games. If you're the Houston Texans at that point. So like it's, 
it's fascinating to me. I actually would probably prefer Tyrod Taylor because he's going to be cheaper. And I think he's a guy that in a pinch could go win a game. I think if Mitch Trubisky barely ekes out Daniel Jones, we're kind of in the same spot that we're, we were in with Daniel Jones, except Mitch Trubisky's now the starting quarterback. It's like, do we have an answer at quarterback? Is this a long-term solution? What are we going to get from this guy, you know, day in, day out? Well, let me, so then let me, let me, yeah, let me ask you just a follow-up on that before we get to the draft, because I get, I do get what you mean. Like, it's like if Mitch Trubisky wins it, see, cause to me, if you, if you bring in Tyrod Taylor and it's, that's more in the vein of this is the opportunity for Daniel Jones. Well, then that means that even if Daniel Jones has a decent year, what are we going to be talking about? Right. Or what if he looks, what if he looks better than Tyrod Taylor in camp? We'll be on the podcast and you'll be saying, Hey, he's, he's looked good. They talk highly of him. It might be time to pick up that $21.3 million fifth year option here. Like that, that, and I'm not, I'm not knocking you for it, right? Like that'll be the conversation that goes on. Whereas while it might be depressing in the short term, if Mitchell Trubisky gets brought in and he beats out Daniel Jones, well, then we already know. Then we know going into the year, guess what? Daniel Jones is not the franchise quarterback. We know we're going to go and draft a quarterback next year. And we know that we have an unexciting, but still bridge quarterback in place. Who's young enough and familiar with the system to at least give us some short-term success to whatever degree that's going to be like, I'm fine with that. I understand that it's a little bit, you know, it's a blow right to the fan base to be like, ah, so that definitely means it's over for Daniel Jones. I get it, but at least we'll know because I don't want to be here next off season, having the debate around, what do you value Daniel Jones on the open market? Are there competitors? And then if he has a this in-between murky season, are the Giants going to fend off other teams that want to bid for Daniel Jones services to whatever level and say, well, we were hoping for $25 million a year. We had to go to 30 because of the market. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want as many concrete answers before the season starts as I can possibly get. And I think you do that by bringing in, whether it's Trubisky or anyone, just someone that is that is viewed as a legitimate contender to be the starting quarterback for this team. We've kind of made both full circles on this. You're like, Mitch Trubisky ain't coming in to like potentially start. And then you're like, oh, maybe, maybe he is. And I'm like, oh, I think I want Tyrod Taylor more because he's a sound guy. And you're like, no, Mitch is the guy. And all of a sudden now I'm like, wait a second, Adam's making a ton of sense we, here. We were, uh, we, we were, were both in the hallway and we keep meeting <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. So, but, and maybe that's, yeah, yeah I, I think, I'm, yeah. I'm with, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, I think. Yes. It, let's accumulate as much talent as we what can. An emotional, the what an emotional like, topic. I, I don't know. I, I just, I just secretly want Daniel Jones to do well. If Mitch Trubisky barely ekes him out, then we have a problem anyway. So I, I'm just like, I'm yeah. back and forth. Like if Mitch Trubisky comes in and they're like, he looks better. He knows the system. We want him as the guy. And there's no doubt about it. Then you're like, perfect. Clean break from Daniel Jones. It's fine. He'll be a career backup. We see what we got with Mitch this year. If yeah. it's like neck and neck and you're like, oh man, like that's the baseline of, of where we're going to be. I'd much rather even take option see at this point which is what we're going to talk about now which is around the draft yeah and that is the caveat right like what it looks like in the offseason would also lean into how i feel about it if they're like it's a coin flip i go well at that point then why don't we let daniel jones start and if he crumbles we still have mitchell trubisky otherwise i need to be a clear cut head and shoulders above him in camp the last one being of course the rookie draft class that's going to be coming out here we understand that this is not going to be um the uh, crop of talent that some people might be looking for at the QB position. But when you go back and you think about just real quick here from a financial standpoint, because we're talking about, well, would you spend three to seven on Trubisky, 15 million on Bridgewater and who he is seems out of reach, but 
seven to 10 million. Let's just put it that way on the other quarterback that you're going to bring into the giants. When you look at the draft, when you get back to the back end of the first round, that's where players are making $10 million a year. I'm using 2020 here as the reference point. We know at the top of the draft, uh, you had a rookie contract for Joe Burrow at 36 million. Now, 10 million is the entirety of the contract, not the one year average salary. Do you look inside of this class? And we know we know the names that are there. It's the Malik Willis and obviously Kenny Pickett. Those guys are probably going to move towards the middle, upper part of the first round just because it's the position and that's what teams do. And then you have Matt Coral, Sam Howell, and obviously a player that I've talked about a few times before over on ESPN's big board listed as the 47th prospect in the draft, Desmond Riddler. Is there any, you can paint the entire picture of, of what would need to happen. It doesn't matter the rest of the draft, but what would need to happen where you think that drafting, let's say in the second round, Riddler is there. Would you be interested in taking that prospect if the, if the idea is we believe that he can also function inside of this system and it's the it's the best of both worlds? We get a guy that we can develop over a couple of years if Daniel Jones doesn't work out. If Daniel Jones does work out, well, maybe we have a very talented prospect that we could recoup assets for in another year. So, one, uh, okay, on Desmond Ritter specifically, I think he's an interesting, very, very interesting prospect for the Giants because of... Yeah, I've been saying Riddler a lot lately. I, You know what? I think you've been watching a lot of Batman. There's a lot of like comic book movies going on. I just on. think Jim the, the, Carrey did a great job. It's undervalued. There you go. And and so like for Desmond Ritter, I, I think you bring up an interesting point based on where his, his draft selection may be. They have him in the 40s. We know quarterbacks go earlier. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's my thing. In Joe Shane, I trust. I, he says Daniel Jones is the guy. So you have to take it at face value. But if he spends the fifth or seventh pick on one of these quarterbacks, and clearly he's identified who he believes to be his next Josh Allen or whomever. And I guess we have to be happy with it. Like that's why we put him in there is because he knows better than everybody else. Right. With that said, I think you've seen him want to accumulate talent across the entire spectrum. What I would like to see if the giants are going to make a move for a quarterback is for them to somehow trade back into the last couple of picks into the first round to be Mm -hmm. able to get the guy if he's still sitting there, whether it's Desmond Ritter, whether it's Malik Willis, and and, and you think he has the ability to be one of these great quarterbacks moving forward. And the reason why you do that is because that allows you that fifth year option, right? And and if you want, like, if you believe in the guy enough to go, go up and draft him in the second round, you need to be able to have that insurance of having him under team control for another year because like that's what quarterbacking is all about. You need this window when they're on rookie deals and you have them under team control. So for me, if the Giants are going to make a move on a quarterback, like I don't want them drafting someone number five. I don't want them drafting someone in the fifth round being like, this guy's a reclamation project. Like if there's a guy starting to slip, but you really like him, go trade some assets, end up in the end of the first round, lock in that fifth year, and make sure that you have a developmental guy that you that you have for five years of team control. Sure, and a guy like Matt Coral, who's listed 27th overall on uh, on ESPN's big board. Certainly, I think you're right there, and that's probably so. Yes, first of all, if you're willing to take a quarterback at 36, then you need to be willing to take him at 32, right? And then trade with a team who doesn't need a quarterback. Um, you know, you look at the Bengals at 31, you can look at the Chiefs there, right? There's plenty of teams that are going to say we're obviously happy to move out of this if there isn't a prospect that we like. So. First and foremost, I agree with that. The second piece would then be, what what would it indicate to you? So the Giants, 
don't sign Mitch Trubisky or anyone of real substance in, in the free agent market and only go with a rookie quarterback in addition to what would be Davis Webb, right? Um, would that be telling you that we don't believe in Daniel Jones and this was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a smoke screen here? Is it hedging their bets? Is it a part and parcel? Hey, we have to reset this timeline and we want to have a quarterback that has four years with a fifth year option of control, not a guy we have to pay next year in spite of having that money. Because just quickly here, if Daniel Jones is the guy, he's the guy. But even if you think, well, Daniel Jones could be a serviceable starter for us and you, to whatever level you want to put him at, right? He can be the Andy Daltons of the world. Great. But with all of the free agent money we're going to have next year, you have to consider the idea of if we can come back down to that $10 million rookie contract on a quarterback, suddenly we have four to five years of putting in pieces and building around that young player and that young talent. And I don't think that that can be dismissed here because apples to apples, if you think that there's a, a prospect that you can develop in this draft, you have and, he, and he's close to where you view Daniel Jones, you have to be willing to consider that because it, because of what it does for your cap and how it helps reset your franchise. Again, if DJ's the guy, he's the guy. But I don't know how Joe Shane and Dable are going to be able to feel that way before we do get to regular season games and really see him executing the offense, let alone by the draft when you're going to have to make some big decisions. Honestly, when you said that to me, I thought, how would I feel? And I had one initial gut reaction. And that would be if that happens, then Joe Shane and Brian Dable have no faith in this team being able to compete next year. Like they're, they're basically saying we're going to go with Daniel Jones. If he doesn't work out, we have a, a project that we're working on at QB and we have Davis Webb who's been on the practice squad for multiple teams. Mm -hmm. They really aren't saying like, Oh, we're one win away from competing or we need to win a game if Daniel Jones is out. Cause we have playoff aspirations like that to me would just be waving the white flag saying we're trying to clean house. We're trying to get this place in order. We're trying to be better when we have a ton of cap space. So like, we're not going to go get, they are, isn't that what they are doing? Like, don't we but, agree with that? Well, but, but what I'm, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's a problem. Okay. Like that's, I'm saying, then they're just completely saying that we're not fully competing this year. Like if right. you go get Teddy Bridgewater for 15 million, you're like, we think we can compete at some level here. If you go out and get Jameis Winston, you're saying we could compete at some level, even Mitch Trubisky at seven or $8 million. You're yeah. saying like, we have faith that one of these quarterbacks can at least keep us in contention. If you just go in with Daniel Jones and Davis Webb is your most experienced backup and you draft a, a quarterback in the fifth round, you're basically saying if Daniel Jones goes out, this is a lost season anyway. It doesn't matter. Let me ask you a question because I agree with you. Um, and I, I wasn't sure if you were saying like, oh, no, they're waving the white flag no, on this like, year. Oh, just okay. Confirmation, like, right, confirmation. <laughs> right. Um, is there – do you think that Daniel Jones' money – there's no getting off of his money this year. It is what it is, um, which isn't a lot, eight, nine million, but but it's going to be there. It's not Saquon Barkley. Hey, you can move this guy and you free up the money and it doesn't cost you anything. Does that prevent the Giants from from going into into all the offseason free agency and saying just like what you said, we're going to sign Teddy Bridgewater and we're going to draft Ritter, and that is the bridge and the future, and we're going to get and we're going to move on from Daniel Jones, right? Like, do you think the money factors into that decision making process at all for the Giants in the short term? Understanding where the cap room, you know, where they are as a form of cap situation. If they could go out and and spend fifteen million on Bridgewater and then have a, a low cost rookie contract, is there any world that you could see the Giants just saying, 
this makes sense to us. We can com- be competitive this year upcoming. We can develop our future quarterback. And and frankly, Daniel Jones is a holdover from the previous regime. We love him. We, we, we wish him nothing but the best, but he's done. It's too much investment in the quarterback room when we have so many other areas of need. You'd be talking about taking a premium position pick, like for a first round or even second round draft pick, and putting that towards the quarterback when we clearly need edge rush help, potentially cornerback help if we get rid of Bradbury, et cetera, et cetera. And then also we have 15 million tied up in Teddy Bridgewater. And then we also have eight and a half million tied up in Daniel Jones. It would feel like the Giants would have so much tied up in their quarterback room. And then to think like, how many more wins is Teddy Bridgewater going to give you over Daniel Jones? Like that $15 million, when you know you can't move off of Daniel Jones is eight and a half million dollars. Like that $15 million Clearly, spreading that around in terms of like getting more positional pieces has sure. to put you in better shape than having all that at all those assets and capital tied up in one position. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. It's it's an interesting exercise, right? Or, or by the way, what if they signed Mitch Trubisky and then drafted Ritter? I mean that that would make my head explode because then I'm like, I, I, what direction do they do they want? Are they just putting as much stuff out there and being like? Whoever gets it or however this shakes out, we're happy with it. But to me, I that's a that's a very interesting one that I don't need my head would explode, I think, Adam. <laughs> I like I don't even know what to say about that. I'm like, why would you invest in a in a serviceable backup when Daniel Jones might actually be your serviceable backup and then go for a first like well, it, that would be again. That would be what if it was a multi-year deal for? No, we'll get out of here on this. The, <laughs> the idea of a multi-year contract for Mitch Trubisky, a three-year deal for Mitch Trubisky, and planning to draft a quarterback. And yes, Daniel Jones, you're on the roster, and it's you know, and if you beat out Mitch Trubisky, you beat him out because guess what? The number's not going to be that high. I mean, listen, this is nothing that I I'm sitting here going right. Talk about it. Talk about a solution. But I I, I think the only thing this tell this should be telling you is. I believe that Joe Shane and Dable and the Giants are walking into free agency and walking into the draft with their eyes fully open at every single possibility. What does every combination of this look like? And if, as they get through free agency, they look at the roster and go, hey, I think we've made some tweaks here. And our original premise of we're going to ride with DJ and see what he's got, well, that's because we didn't think we were going to be that competitive this year. If all of a sudden we think a Bridgewater could get us a couple more wins to set that positive tone for our regime, then maybe it changes how we look at the decisions we're going to make. I Yeah, I, that is interesting to me. But honestly, Adam, I want nothing to do with one of those $15 million quarterbacks. I just can't, I. I can't Listen. even bring myself to it. And as you mentioned before, I actually think it's more likely that they would pick up Daniel Jones's fifth year option than bring in Teddy Bridgewater for 15 million. If we're being honest, just saying like, give us two years with this guy and let's see what we can do as opposed to knowing like you have to do something with him just in his last fourth. Oh, yes. year. I but, disagree on that, but that's okay. Like, I, yeah, I, I think at that point, again, at that point, then sign him to the extension. You can't you can't commit to 21, 21 million next year because it means you're doing what we're talking about right now, handcuffing yourself. Where what if there's a free agent quarterback, veteran next year on the market? Can't go get him. We're spending 21 million on Daniel Jones. So all of these things, my friends, at the end of the day, are what the Giants are trying to sort through. And it just it did feel worth it. Let's go ahead and look at the top guys, the big free agent names. Stop thinking about them. It's not gonna happen. But there is this big crop of players that you can go out and force Daniel Jones to earn that starting job. I think that's box you check number one. And to your point, if they go into the draft and they make a move at any point at the back end of the first round for a quarterback, you know that this has been pleasantly blown smoke up our proverbial butts, and they're going to be moving forward in the years to come. YouTube, my friends. Uh, Next episode, I'm going to shout out everybody. We just had a whole slew of new people subscribe. Get in on the conversation. Hit us up. Follow us on the podcast. As always, Andy Makowitz wants, needs, and demands the people know. 
As always, let's go Big Blue.